You're listening to the New Stack Makers, a podcast made for people who develop, deploy, and manage at scale software. For more conversations and articles, go to thenewstack.io. All right, now on with the show. Cloud Native Computing Foundation, or CNCF, hosts critical components of the global technology infrastructure. CNCF brings together the world's top developers, end users, and vendors, and runs the largest open source developer conferences. Hey all, Taylor Dolazel is here with us today. Hey Taylor. Hey, how's it going? Great to see you again, Alex. Always a pleasure. Great to see you. I'm going to see you in Chicago soon. And we're going to talk about KubeCon because you work for the Cloud Native Computing Foundation. But what do you do exactly? Absolutely. I'm, I I'd like to think of myself as a cloud native chiropractor, making sure everybody's aligned on the same page. Professionally, head of ecosystem is my title. But uh, always good to have good alignment there for sure. I may have to talk to you when we're at in Chicago. Like I, I've been waking up lately in the morning. Uh, we'll, we'll go into it another time, you know. <laughs> I got your back. Okay. Go, go. Uh, I, know, I know, I know your game, Taylor. I know your game. So Taylor, I wanted to kind of just talk through the, the schedule a little bit because I think that might give people kind of the best idea into how, the conference is structured this year. So I may jump around a little bit, but I wanted to start off with kind of the first days. And what's become like this tradition is to have these Kubernetes days like the day before KubeCon. And this year I see several. There's an edge day. There's a database as a service day. What else is there? So we have all of those co-located events will be happening on Monday this year. We have, I think it's like Open Telemetry Day. We have so many. I, I honestly, I can't keep track. Of yeah, there's so many of them. There, there's App Developer Con. There's Argo Con. There's Backstage Con. There's Cilium Con. There's Cloud Native Wasm Day. There's CNCF hosted co-located events such as Data on Kubernetes Day, Envoy Con, Istio Day. Kubernetes AI and HPC day. Ooh, I'm combining AI and HPC. You've done that before, though, I think. Absolutely. The one difference that's important is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that we're going to be setting our clocks back at least sometime soon here in the U.S. Uh, we've also done something similar with KubeCon, Cloud Native Con in Chicago as well. So we'll be shifting that conference. Typically, we'd have keynotes and everything start on Wednesday. That's going to be on Tuesday. So it'll be Tuesday. Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday, we're off uh, essentially on that front. So uh, I've also got to get my head aligned on that front. I've talked with many folks on which day is this happening and needed to adjust for that as well. So it's an important thing to call out. Shortening that so that folks can get back home in time for their families, have a little bit more chill conference, and then compress as much awesome cloud native happenings that are going on within the ecosystem within the week. So for the people who have never been to KubeCon before, uh, let's help them out. Give us an idea of like how the conference progresses. I talked a little bit about the how you do the first day as like co-located events. But then from there, what can someone expect if they're going to be going to the conference? So when you tend to KubeCon, CloudNativeCon, the first thing that you'll see is that there are just a 
whole bunch of people, I think, that we're looking at over 9,000 folks that will see in Chicago. So really excited to dish it out with all of you, not just pizza, but conversations. We'll see a lot of different tracks that you can take a look at as well. There are things like the maintainer track or security track. I believe there's 11 different kinds of talks within those tracks that you can check out. So if you're not able to make it in person, this will be up on YouTube later. And then one of my favorite parts of the conference is just getting to see everybody there. The the hallway track, as it's lovingly referred to, uh, definitely worth checking out too. So if you can't make a talk or a chat, no worries. I highly recommend checking out the hallway track and just bumping into people, having great conversations there. I'd say that's a big component for people that are new to KubeCons and really curious to hear about what's happening. That's where you hear a lot of those detailed technical business and other strategic types of conversations going on. Uh, don't be afraid to come and say hi uh, to certain folks, you know, unless it looks like they're in a serious discussion, by all means, you know, leave them alone. Now you have something called a cloud native novice series of discussions. I would expect that probably be uh, some people who are new to KubeCon and the Kubernetes world. Some of the discussions are on etcd. I see one on uh, one on PKI Fundamentals, and from non-tech to CNCF Ambassador. So there's a variety of topics. How do you all pick some of these topics? I mean, what is the feedback that you've received to help you kind of d- define these discussions? Yeah, so we have, uh, honestly, the whole call for papers or a CFP process is really involved. So we have, I think that I need to take a look at the numbers for this year, but usually it's around, it's between 11 to 15% of people that submit talks get accepted. So not that any of those talks are bad, there's just so many that come in and we only have space for so many. Um, so when it comes to that selection process, that gets fielded out to community members who can become track chairs. There's a lot of opportunities for the community to get involved. It's truly a community conference. And then we have three co-chairs that then tie everything together along with CNCF staff in making those selections. So it's not an easy task. There's so many talks to go through. Um, we recently switched over to Sessionize to make uh, that a little bit easier on folks. And we heard some good things on that front as well as a couple of bugs, which I'm uh, very excited to get stomped out soon. But uh, really great to hear feedback on that front. We're seeing a lot of interest around platform engineering, AI, ML, LLMs, and how are people doing that? What are your thoughts? As well as security as well. Definitely with GDPR and all of these other rules and legislation coming down, uh, folks are really curious about effective ways to bring this into their organization and reduce as much head scratching as possible. Now, one thing question I have is just going back to the Novus discussion. What percentage of the people are going to be end users, do you think, from what you can preliminary tell by the attendee registration right now? Usually it's been around 25 to 30% uh, end users that we see there. And end users are people that are adopting CNCF projects within their organization and not reselling that effectively. So those are like Intuit, Adobe, Mercedes-Benz, Apple, people adopting projects as the core bedrock for a lot of their platforms and foundations within their companies. So I, I work with them extensively. So I'm always curious to hear about use cases that they have within the ecosystem, as well as some non-traditional ways that they're adopting things too. Uh, I have yet to hear somebody using something like Argo for a Dance Dance Revolution onboarding experience. But, you know, if, if you're doing that, come find me. I'd love to talk. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, you know, Dance Dance Revolution is usually something you see at like a security summit. I so I wouldn't see. It. I wouldn't expect <laughs> it at KubeCon. But as far as kind of hot topics go, AI clearly, and I see you're doing an AI hub. Yes. Uh, that AI hub is going to be run in an unconference style. So again, really want to hear from the community about around challenges that they're facing or questions that they may have. We've seen some organizations just outright ban all things AI around some concerns with security and other things, really mirroring a lot of the early open source discussions. You know, we saw the same thing happen with open source where people were saying like, no, can't use that. That doesn't abide by our posturing or the way that we want to set up our organization. But then as we're seeing all these operational and performance improvements that we're across many organizations, we're seeing more people want to adopt that because nobody wants to fill out spreadsheets or go look up little tiny pieces of data. You know, how, how are people actually adopting this and how are people including it into their product services and platforms as a whole? So I do see that, you know, as part of the unconference, you can submit a topic and uh, so people should, you know, look for that on the QCon website so people can put their topics in advance. I'm curious on what are some of the topics you're starting to see people talk about? Some of the topics I'm seeing around uh, generative AI and AI LLM spaces really pertaining to security. I, I haven't seen too much feedback or pushback with companies saying we this is something that we never want to dig into. Um, it's more so around, you know, you hear stories of folks like Samsung where they had some source code that was leaked. And so people that are really worried, you know, reasonably so about how do we make sure that we're providing the right data to these systems? And then how do we go about adopting that within our organization? Do we have to train and spin up our own LLMs? Do we have to, um, can we integrate with a third-party service? Uh, I think a lot of questions pertain to those topics, as well as a lot of executives that I've spoken with, they've uh, been asking around strategy decisions, just saying, okay, uh, what kind of features can we enable with this? And how can we actually apply this to some platform engineering concepts and topics, which has been really interesting. So the TLDR there is that it doesn't, very few have figured it out. You've seen a little bit more with things like Midjourney or Adobe's Firefly, Dolly, stuff like that is a little bit easier, but it doesn't really pair necessarily to business concerns. But I'm curious to see other ways in which people are using it, even if it's small things like getting back to emails and just providing a, a little bit of feedback in hiring process, interviews, and training overall. Uh, very curious to hear on that front. Yeah. I mean, what, what I'm hearing is that a lot of organizations are just trying to get their teams in place because they don't necessarily have the uh, data engineering team necessarily. Absolutely. There's a lot that goes into that team composition. And because it is a new space and people are still trying to make sense of a lot of those things, and of course, it varies vertical to vertical, company to company, uh, we really haven't standardized on that. We're seeing a little bit more standardization around how people might go and train their AI systems, you know, using Kubernetes and other CNCF technologies to enable that, which is, you know, I'm biased, so I think that's really cool. Uh, but really great stories to hear when it comes to that adoption story. That's where we're seeing, seeing those stories get written in real time. Yeah, I, I attended uh, the VMware uh, event, uh, VMware Explore, and I attended one session with... Uh, 
developers uh, intro into LLMs and, and really focus on the basics. It focused on, you know, what is an LLM? What's a vector database? All just very, very basic stuff. I expect that's going to be a lot of what we get from this year's QCon. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think more hearing more stories around that and just frankly, what people think. I'm seeing a lot of good conversations around seeing a lot of uh, combining these technologies together too. So LLMs, large language models, you see a lot of enterprises with old machines sitting around or they might have just gotten out of a data center. So they're exploring use cases of edge computing or smart edges and reutilizing these resources that they just decommed or, you know, we're looking to get rid of potentially using them for WebAssembly, edge computing, and LLMs, and then having a sovereign place to do that so that they don't have to worry as much about data flowing outside of the company too. So I've got my ear to the ground on that because I've started to hear that pop up within our ecosystem as well. So thinking about edge devices, how do all those old machines play into the edge device story? So what's cool about Edge is that there's a lot that you can do with it. You don't you don't necessarily need it to be this cutting edge, high, you know, latest CPU, GPU kind of thing. It could be a Raspberry Pi. It could be, uh, we've seen folks train LLMs. I think Stanford had spent like $600 or something like that to train their version of Llama, which is a large language model. Uh, so we're seeing LLMs being used to do small things very well, kind of abiding by that Linux tooling principle. Do one thing, do it well. That's scheduling uh, dinner appointments for you or faxing your parents because uh, they still have a fax machine. You know, you can focus really specific, really niche use cases for different applications as it pertains to LLMs, which is really cool, and then chain those together into a bigger workflow. So that's a big way that I'm seeing folks start to utilize uh, edge computing, LLMs, and then you know really focus on security or even sandbox testing or providing folks some cloud development environments that organizations will run on their own with things like WebAssembly, really focused on security, uh, things of that nature. So Really cool to see the stitching together and the patchwork that the community is making. Now, generative AI, LLMs, the way you use those, and you know how it fits with edge and security. That's all. That's all very interesting. There's topics though that are popular this year that were not quite as popular last year at this time, and in particular, platform engineering. What? are you seeing in terms of what we're going to see at the event about platform engineering? I think more of a definition around what platform engineering is. We've started to see that definition congeal because people have talked about site reliability engineering and DevOps. Wait, isn't just platform engineering DevOps, you know, just embodied a little bit more? A lot of good debates for and against those principles. But when it comes to platform engineering, I think that the more interesting conversations I've seen in that space have been around creating this internal product team, essentially, um, rather than just being a platform team that runs a specific platform and bottlenecks the organization, focusing on how to make a good product that you can proliferate throughout your organization. In previous roles that I've had, that's the approach that we've seen be really successful. So really, I'm, I'm enthused to hear some folks and their journeys on that front versus being, you know, running a global logging cluster centrally located or just within one cloud or a few others. Hearing those SRE principles poured into that platform and some of that product management, I think is really, really interesting. I was doing a story on uh, uh, test containers 
they're basically a, it's a library for kind of like testing of mostly, you know, really for developers. It's all done in code. So it's, you know, compared to, you know, YAML, right? And it's interesting because it's like it's designed for like developers to be able to work on the inner loop and then the outer loop that is with, we might have DevOps people working on or even operations people on, maybe even SREs. And I'm curious on those synergies. I, I'm curious about the trends that you're seeing around platform engineering that are related to things like such as like that developer kind of operations team integration, because that seems to me what's at the heart of platform engineering. I agree. I think it's thinking about platform engineering to me is thinking about things in an end to end way and how to scale things, keep it secure, keep costs down, save time. And I agree. I think that the cloud development environments that we're seeing, that we're seeing that start to trickle into platform engineering concerns. Because like you said, having test containers or being able to give development teams or infrastructure teams a way to immediately get onboarded and start working with services directly within their cloud environments for their organization, that's a huge benefit. Saves a lot of time. You don't have to wait two weeks to get a machine. You can just jump right into that that cloud development environment and uh, have a lot more reliable and you know, true to production data that you're working with so that you have higher predictability, more confidence in what you're deploying. And you don't have the, it works on my machine problem, which we've, yeah, we'll never hear the end of, <laughs> I don't think. The last topic that I'm curious about is WebAssembly. It just keeps coming back. What's different this year about WebAssembly in terms of what you're seeing at KubeCon? With WebAssembly, we're starting to see more maturity. It's WebAssembly's been mature for a while, but it, it's really been it's come down to the use cases. Uh, we've seen folks like Disney Plus uh, take that and adopt that for some front end concerns. Figma. Uh, there's many different types of examples out in the world where folks are using this, but. It's mostly to create a really nice front end. There are some back end use cases or API applications and things of that nature. But with some of the later specifications that have come out in WASI and, and the WebAssembly spec and everything, we're, I think, at WasmCon in Seattle, there was that news that we're getting to that place where it, we're getting to our containerization moment like Docker. And that's what I'm really excited to see. When you talk about WebAssembly too, there's a natural inclination of folks to jump into that us versus them thinking, and it's like containers or WebAssembly, pick one, choose your fighter. And that's not at all what we're seeing either. We're seeing a lot of people putting those technologies together, you know, especially on things like Edge. If you're looking to just kind of have this thing that you work with or need lower latency, something like video encoding or something like that, WebAssembly might work really well for you. Or if you want to parse something out or keep your data contained within a specific network or area within your organization, you can pre-process that and work with that before it actually makes it to the cloud, which is really useful as well. So you can start to see these architectures really evolve and become even more multi-layered than they are. So I see, and just in conclusion, the keynotes, and you're one of the keynotes, What what is your discussion going to focus on? I'm going to focus mostly on puns, as you know, uh, try to work a few of those in there, and then uh, really focus on the end user community. We've had a lot of great stories come out of the ecosystem in the past couple of months. I'm excited to share. won't spoil it uh, on that front, so uh, keep a listen for those. But the TLDR of that theme is just really going to be focused on the community, the impact that folks have had, the networking abilities, 
uh, folks' contributions, and then elevate some of those folks that have had a, you know really really great success stories within the ecosystem too. Um, and users have it fairly difficult because they have their day jobs and then they have to keep up with everything going on in cloud native. Uh, we're looking to save them time through the CNCF end user program. But at the end of the day, you got to pick one. Usually people pick their job, which makes sense to me. So it's really on the CNCF and, and other foundations and the ecosystem to clarify that, summarize that and give people better points and help them get up to speed more quickly within their organization. So that's, uh, that's most of what I'm going to focus on. I'm excited to see everybody there. Well, Taylor, thank you so much for your time. I just wanted to get a quick kind of look at what we're going to expect from QCon. Anything else you'd like to say before we go? Yeah, I think it's going to be wonderful. I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio. I've got family in Chicago. Uh, bring layers. It, it is the windy city for a reason. If you're in the U.S. and uh, or outside and haven't seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off, that's uh, one of the quintessential Chicago movies to check out. It's also a fairly funny soundtrack. But yeah, I'd say bring layers, get ready. It's going to be fun, beautiful area. And you can also check out one of the big landmarks called The Bean. It's a big silver thing. But it's actually called CloudGate, which I didn't know until a couple weeks ago. I didn't know that either. I'm going to eat pizza. I know that. <laughs> I, I guess that's about it. I was going to ask you one more question, but I think I think that's good. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, can't wait to see you there. It's going to be fun. And yeah. If you see me, come hit me up, ask me questions. Let's have a chat. Oh, good to chat, Taylor. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you. The Cloud Native Computing Foundation, or CNCF, hosts critical components of the global technology infrastructure. CNCF brings together the world's top developers, end users, and vendors, and runs the largest open source developer conferences. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's one of the best ways you can help us grow this community, and we really appreciate your feedback. You can find the full video version of this episode on YouTube. Search for the new stack, and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss any new videos. Thanks for joining us, and see you soon. Bye.